0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Double Tappers, it's Friday the 13th, and myself and Sean sit down with some really interesting guests to talk about the settings we all changed on our Mac and Windows computers.
1: You're
2: listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Breeze.
0: Well, one of them is here. Hey, Sean, it's been a little while since we did something like this. How's it going for you today?
3: Oh, it seems like only yesterday to me, Michael. (laughs) No, thank you so much for coming back.
0: I really appreciate it, and it's great to have you here. It is a pleasure to be here, and it doesn't. It seems like it was just, I don't know, last month or something. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> we have a couple of guests today, and I'm going to let you introduce them, because I think you'll, you'll like introducing at least one of them, hopefully both of them. Wow.
3: <laughs> yes, of course. I'm happy to have everyone here. Uh, joining us today, we have Mr. Damasi Thomas. How you doing, Damasi?
1: Hey, glad to be here.
3: Ah, listen to that voice. And Mr. Windows himself, it is Jeff Bishop, the legend. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, thank you.
0: It's a pleasure to have both of you. And as Sean alluded to, we posted a very long episode. We don't got enough time to talk as much as we did on that episode. 103 <laughs> minutes. I don't think Mr. F would be too happy about that. Uh, but talking about <laughs> your settings and getting things <laughs> configured for your windows and mac computer and uh i think we should have abbreviate an abbreviated conversation like that and thanks to jeff for giving me this idea so i'm going to start with uh jeff and bring him in and and say hey jeff what was that tool we were talking about before we went to air
2: yeah right well you know i think this all really starts a with preparation, right? If, if you're planning on actually, uh, nuke and paving or starting over with your windows installation, you sort of need to prepare in this process. And there's a, there's a few things that you can do here, but the, the gem here in all of this is Ninite. That's N-I-N-I-T-E. It's a, it's a tool found at Ninite.com, N-I-N-I-T-E.com. And you can go through and select, checkboxes for the applications that you want to automatically install, and then you download an executable, and it just goes off and installs everything for you without any sort of, you know, uh, advertisements or toolbars or any other sort of cruft that might be done as part of some of these installations, and that's always fun. But uh, this avoids all of that, and this just makes it really, really simple to be able to get an executable, uh, d- you know, downloaded to get all of these uh, pieces of software installed. So that that's really the first thing that you want to do. You want to try to get everything you can lined up to be able to solve, uh, you know, all of this.
0: Yeah, and I guess we probably should have warned listeners that we were actually going to talk about tech today because uh, just jumped right into it. Um, before- I'm against it. You keep coming back. Yeah, I want to talk about Jeff's It's a tech show. (laughs) It's a tech show. (laughs) 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 So I guess a big question might be, because you you mentioned a nuke and pave there, Jeff. What does nuke and pave mean, and why might someone want to do that?
2: Well, you know, Windows is an interesting beast, right? Uh, Over time, the the registry may get large... uh, performance might degrade slightly. That's gotten better over the Windows releases over time, but it's still sometimes something that you might want to consider doing every couple years or so. So when we say nuke and pave, this really means either doing a Windows reset, where basically you're starting over as part of your installation process, or you're physically uh, you know, formatting a disk and actually reinstalling Windows from scratch. There's a couple of ways to do this. A lot of times what people will do is they'll upgrade from, say, you know, a hard drive, a spinning hard drive to an SSD, a solid state drive. And in this case, yeah, you're going to need to, to actually reinstall Windows as part of that process. So when we say nuke and pave, we basically mean, you know, blowing away everything that was your Windows installation and starting fresh. That's really what that means.
0: Gotcha. And so Ninite will let you gather up your applications to be able to install those on a very easy process to where all you have to do is go and run that executable. And you can prepare that, bef- you want to prepare that before you destroy everything, right?
2: That's right. And you can do everything from Google Chrome and Firefox to NVDA and a bunch of other utilities, uh, including you know, things like WinSCP and some Unix tools. And uh, I think you can even do Uh, Skype. It offers OneDrive, which is kind of interesting because if you're installing Windows 11, you'll get OneDrive. So I'm not sure why that's there. It's kind of a fascinating (laughs) thing. I I don't quite understand that one. They do have a screen reader section where they try to pick applications that are screen reader friendly. I don't know that that's absolutely necessary. I think you can Go through their list. It's very extensive, and you can pick the things that that you want, including FileZilla. If you ha- you you're needing to you know FTP files around and you know, do those types of things, uh, Everything, which is a really popular app, is also part of this list. And you basically just run this. You give it. Uh, you you know, administrative permissions, it will prompt you, you'll get a UAC prompt, and then you just basically, you know, go eat lunch and walk away from your computer and just let it munch away. And within 10 or 15 minutes, you know, you'll have uh, 10 or 20 applications or more installed. It's very, very fast and requires no intervention from you, except for you needing to configure the applications like, you know, FileZilla or or, or, Mm. or other applications. So yeah, it, it, it becomes really simple that way
0: and then you can just store that executable on an external drive, so you always have it available. And what I like about Ninite is it will download the latest versions, uh, as as Jeff had mentioned, so you get the absolute latest that's available. Demasi, what's available on the Mac for something similar?
1: So, so when I'm preparing to do a nuke and pave on the Mac, uh, one thing I always make sure I do is I will run Brewfile. Uh, which dumps out, and that's using Homebrew, that's a command line tool. I don't actually know of a GUI way to do this, which is something I should research. But uh, from the terminal on the Mac, you can use Homebrew to generate a file of all of the applications that you have installed. And I have noticed that this also works even if you didn't use Homebrew to install these applications. Uh, it'll pull those in and basically builds a very nice list of all of the applications you have, whether Mac App Store or uh, Direct Downloads, as well as any of the Unixy tools you've installed, such as PHP or Composer, things like that, as well, Git. And that Pretty much uh, gives you a starting point from when you're setting up. You know, going back into the terminal. So typical setup for me on a Mac with a clean install is go to the homebrew site at brew.sh. That's b r e w .sh, and copy the command to install it. Open up my terminal, run that command, and then immediately after that, copy over my brew file from its external drive, and run brew file install and we're off to the races and as jeff said at that point you can kind of walk away from the computer for a little while or get some coffee or something
0: let it do its magic magic sean do you use either of these tools no no, uh, <laughs> no absolutely not <laughs> um i've got
3: to say i have looked at Nunite for a while now and i've always been slightly wary of it because i keep thinking what's the angle to it um so i haven't quite pulled the trigger but i will say very accessible site, you just go through the list, checkbox everything you want, and you're off. And plus, I was kind of thinking, you know, what's the difference to this uh, rather than the software folder I've got in my downloads folder where I keep, you know, Dropbox and the latest updates to NVDA and all the programs I usually install on a fresh Windows. Um, but as far as I understand it, the Nanite install. It doesn't actually go through the install process of each program, right? So you just, as you said, you can leave it and and walk away and it's done. They are just installed. So none of that extra steps of next and where you want to install it. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it actually does the install, but it does it silently. So for example, when you're installing uh, NVDA with Nanite, you'll hear it actually do the NVDA startup sound. It's very strange, by the way. It's very, very weird. So you'll hear (laughs) it play the NVDA startup sound. It does the install, and then it plays the shutdown sound. You know, it, it's just, <laughs> it's a very, very strange um, you know, situation. PC. You don't actually see these things running in the background, um, but, they're, but they are running. And, and that's the thing, by the way, this is not perfect in that it's not going to install everything you need on your device, right? If you need JAWS for Windows and you need other things, you know put them in your OneDrive folder put them in your Dropbox folder for example it doesn't install one password it doesn't install bitwarden if you use any of those password managers so you're going to want to have those executables mm-hmm. somewhere where you can get at them because one of the first things that you're going to need to do is have access to all your passwords right to be able to log into things so you want to have you know when you when you uh, bring up Windows again for the first time. You're going to get access to OneDrive. You have to log into your Microsoft account. You'll get access to your OneDrive folder. All of these files will magically be there. You know, all your, your JAWS for Windows setup executable, your your OnePass or BitWord and executables, whatever else you decide to put there will be there, plus your Ninite file. So, you know, all of that is right there at your beckoning call. And then it just saves time. It's not necessarily about which is right or wrong. It's more about how can you do this you know, most efficiently and quickly. Exactly. I can get up and going on a system from scratch in about an hour. Um, that's not to say that all of my email will not have synced <laughs> uh, in Outlook. But I, I at least have all of my things installed. That, you know, uh, <laughs> That's a totally different experience as far as configuring everything that takes that can take days because you're you're going to find that oh my gosh I forgot that I, I tweaked tweak this in oh, this application yes. mm-hmm. and you know what I mean that just takes forever so so you know and you just do that as you use the applications that you use so it it just works I, out really really well
3: i find it interesting the the way we're all going about this i'm thinking back in the day where we would use a system image a a backup Mm -hmm. of a certain point usually after we did the last install and installed everything and you you get oh this is perfect this is exactly how i want it to be forever the fresh out of the box feel with everything set up and you used to do a backup image of that um that seems to have gone away
0: now Remember restore points? I I thought that those would work well for me, and then I realized that often that restore points only worked for so long, and then I always found that eventually something else would creep over to that restore point.
2: The cloud is a magical place, right? I mean, really what you're doing is basically just restoring your, your programs, and then your data still lives in the cloud. Yeah. And, and and by the way, just to make it perfectly clear, if anyone thinks they have any privacy on the internet, then uh, you're <laughs> kidding yourself. So let's just make that perfectly clear. So whether you're storing your data on, you know, OneDrive or Dropbox, it doesn't matter because you don't have privacy on the internet. You might think you do, but you don't. Um, you can do you can do all kinds of things to help that process, but there's no such thing as privacy. You can you can run things like Brave, and you can do all kinds of things to safeguard yourself, but really, uh, that that doesn't that's not a thing. Especially with you know Google, Apple, Microsoft, you know selling all of our cloud. I mean, everything is in the cloud, right? Everything. Right, is
3: Jeff, there. calm down. I know it's Friday the
0: thirteenth, <laughs> but blimey, you're scaring everyone off.
3: I know. Quiet, but it's, everyone
1: sounds like he's channeling me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was th- would think would say something like that, Jeff. But I appreciate your honesty because you're right. It, you, nothing's nothing's private.
2: Anymore. Nothing's nothing is pri- nothing is completely private. You can you can do a lot to help yourself here, but nothing is completely private. There's
3: no closed doors anymore, Jeff
1: uh
0: well no not here not here at all so Damasi, you get all your apps installed and and you run well you get most of your apps because you run into that same issue with homebrew too some apps aren't
1: in there yeah there's an issue where some apps aren't in there uh as jeff said i think probably i haven't timed this recently uh because i try to avoid doing it but it probably takes me about an hour or so to get back up and running to where everything is installed and as jeff said you know there's still going to be shortcut you know, customizations you've done, different settings and apps that you need to tweak, but at least you're back to a point where if someone calls up and says, Hey, can you record this thing for me? Or can you quickly edit this piece of audio? Well, yes. Cause Reaper's already installed. I don't have to go get that. I mean, oh, to... <laughs> well, yeah, with, with, with homebrew, <laughs> when, when,
0: when I call you, it's not configured and ready uh, to go to edit audio.
1: <laughs> no, well, you know, that's Uh-oh. just because, you know, it's you, man. It's you, exactly. Man. That's, that's the whole problem. But, uh, yeah, for me, that that's pretty much the problem. There are a few things that you can't get in uh, homebrew. You know, a lot of those sometimes are often beta apps on running or very specialized apps that I think have a smaller market. You know, they're not generally widely available. Uh, one that comes to mind, which I don't use anymore for the longest time, was not in homebrew, which was MimeStream, which is that mm. Google, uh, Google Mail client for the Mac, right? Like that wasn't there for a while. Uh, but most stuff is. And as Jeff said, you know, you get back up and running. You got settings and stuff to tweak. Data is syncing in from the different cloud services. So there are all your files. So at least you're back to a point of quickly getting yourself to where you can be productive. You know, there's going to be little things here and there. Probably about a week for me, honestly, before everything is, feels like it should be working. Because you hit a shortcut and then it doesn't work. You're like, oh, yeah, I got to configure that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're you're out there and running. And like Jeff said, this is just an option, right? A lot of people don't go this route on the Mac, especially. And I know it's you're, you're jumping down into the terminal to do something. It's just about it efficiency. Another another solution for this for people though is, as Jeff mentioned, grab the things that you know you're going to need and just keep a zip of those. You know, keep those in a a cloud storage service so you can sign into that, and you know, grab your text expander and your your uh Fantastical and your One Password or your, your Bitwarden and, and just get those installed. And even if they're older versions, like on first run, it's going to be like there's an update. So you know, do your updates. Uh, and much like I think with the Windows Store, you know, a lot of the things that you purchase through the Mac App Store. It's just a matter of going through and just hitting the button to say install, install, install. So if you choose not to go one of these routes that we've been talking about, still do some pre preparation before you nuke your machine to make sure that the key things are top of mind for you or the installers for the key things uh, for you are somewhere you can easily retrieve them.
0: And deauthorize your software. I think that's important to, to think about, too, before you reset your computer. Because when you reset your computer, that also means that you're clearing out that license for that software.
2: Oh, so, yeah, that's a big one.
0: Yeah, I'm guilty of, of sometimes forgetting to deauthorize my JAWS. So all of a sudden, I, I reset my computer and it says, you have no more authorizations left. And i got to go through that uh, to get that all figured out.
2: One thing to keep in mind here is make sure you know where your data lives yes because if you're not storing your data in the cloud then if you format your disk the data is gone so just make sure you really really know before you begin this process where your data is and either back it up to an external drive or put it in cloud and make sure that the cloud has synced your data first right (laughs) so check that system tray and make sure that things are are done you know you don't you don't want to you don't want to start this process prematurely because, boy, you will be a very, very unhappy
1: oh, panda. Very unhappy person when you reboot <laughs> and are like, oh, wait, uh, I don't have that report that I needed to submit. It's like, well, yeah, I guess you're staying up all night to rewrite that. But
0: I just put yeah, it in that, Dropbox. Shouldn't yeah. it be there? No.
1: It'll take time. <laughs> no. No. It takes yeah, time. It takes Uploading. time. Yeah. yeah sure be, be, very, actually, be
2: very, very careful.
0: When does that
3: last happen to you? I'm thinking now, if I want to do a refresh the PC, which is a great feature in Windows, by the way, I'm just grabbing everything off my desktop, maybe out of the th- Downloads folder as well. I can't remember July, the last time anything. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> and what when was I, that?
2: Uh, that? That was when I left Microsoft. So I formatted all my machines and uh, refreshed them. So I wanted to start fresh on on both my personal and other devices that I might use for for work that I have so I have you know multiple machines yeah. that so yeah so that that's why I chose to do that. but it was time to do it anyway I mean I, I hadn't done it for oh my gosh years so it was Yeah but I, it was I the mean right when time did you actually it.
0: lose some data some
3: Oh lose data
2: that, that hasn't <laughs> happened in 10 years
0: March like- for you Damasi, huh
1: yeah i mean i did have a backup so i guess technically i didn't lose the data but for a little while i was sitting here like um so yes, dumb dumb probably. here didn't back up his ssh key <laughs> and now i can't access any of these servers <laughs> But fortunately, I did have a backup, uh, like a backup, backup up to the cloud uh, storage, so I was able to go and retrieve that out of that that uh, most recent backup. But yeah, that's the, that's one of the things. That's why I say that pre-preparation is very important before you you know hit that re- reset or wipe my disk you know button. Uh, make sure that you have thoroughly checked your system to make sure you're not leaving behind anything. As Jeff said, it will be erased and there's no coming back from that once you've done it. If you have not backed it up somewhere or put it in a sync service.
0: This kind of takes us into the primary topic of today, and that is your settings. Before we get there, though, uh, anyone who knows me knows that I absolutely despise the Mac App Store in Ventura specifically. Uh, Sonoma seems to be better, but for me, it was very difficult to navigate the App Store and find the information that I wanted and then go download the tools. So in Homebrew, there's a utility Demasi introduced me to. It's been about a year now, and ever since then, I don't use the Mac App Store. Um, and so if you're open to using the command line, and I know it's scary for some, but if you're open to using the command line, you can install a tool called MAS, M-A-S, or Mac App Store. And what this will let you do is search for different applications that are available in the Mac App Store Um I don't know, Demasi, if they're paid applications, can you download them through Mass? I know if you have to buy them, you can't, Um, but you search for those and then uh, when you get the code that it gives you, it's a long set of digits that I have saved in a draft file that you can then just type mass install in that application. And then you don't have to mess with the app store. You don't have to do anything because those will just show up in your applications folder. And often I will go that route. If an app I am looking for either isn't available in homebrew or is, um, in the app store as well as homebrew. And I just need the app store version.
1: Yeah. And it will download any app that you have in your purchase history, as well as, uh, a free app but yeah if you have to pay for that like you actually literally have to go and pay for it at this point you're going to have to go into the app store and, and click that button that says you know
3: 9.99 hang on hold the phone here is the mac app store that bad that it's easier to go do it through the
0: command <laughs> or am i just lazy for me ventura was that bad <laughs> like really? Ventura, Ventura, i i struggled with navigating in ventura um jeff you use ventura don't you
2: yes yeah and it's a little it's a little more difficult than prior uh, mac os releases for sure yeah it's it's yeah, not I as easy so little time
1: sure. in the mac app store that I, I i don't like it uh but i also don't have to go there too often unless somebody tells me about an amazing app in the app store that i should get <laughs> like centered head and then i'm in the app store but yeah it is rough it, it, it is pretty rough uh in Ventura. well purely
3: sure. from a, a navigation point of yes. view, is it just getting around the yes app? Yeah, it's it's yes.
0: super cluttered and and a lot of interacting, uninteracting. One one listener of Double Tap and I don't remember who it was shared a tip a couple of months ago about using command one through eight to be able to jump to the different sections of the App Store. So if you need to get to like your purchases or to search, you can use the command and the one through eight keys. Don't ask me which key relates to what section. I just press them until I find the one I want. <laughs>
3: Well, I want to gloat over that, but I've got to say, the Windows Store isn't the most, um, I mean, it's accessible. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it's not, but it's, that whole, it just seems a little bit cumbersome to, to get around quickly. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's just I'm not that comfortable with it yet, but um, the App stores just don't seem to be done particularly well on either system at the minute.
2: I, I will say, though, it, it, it's worth... Going through the process, though, because you can get a lot of applications that you would go download off of the web, and then those things automatically update for you, things like Google Chrome and, you know, other things like that. So it, it's it's worth, you know, worth taking the time to get some things through the store.
0: So once we've gotten everything installed and and gotten stuff set up, uh, that kind of takes us into having to configure our devices to actually do what we want. We've brought it up a couple of times where it might take us a week or two to be able to get things the way we expect them to, or you'll hit a keystroke. For me, it's keyboard commanders. I I think I finally found a way to solve that for myself, Uh, but keyboard commanders that don't work, or numpad commanders that don't work the way I expect them to. Uh, Demasi, what are a couple of the settings you change on your Mac right away?
1: Uh, One of the first things I do is go into the system settings and disable spotlight Ah. and its associated shortcuts. Uh, Also disable the, what is it called? It's not dashboard. Um, uh, feature where mission it brings command. up all your windows. Yeah, there you yep. go. Thank you. Mission, mission control. control. I go in, and, uh, go in and disable those shortcuts as well because I am always accidentally triggering mission control and like I don't know how I got in here. Uh, another setting that I go and tweak, I uh, go through and kind of customize my finder settings uh, for navigating the file structure. And typically for me, I want everything in list view and sorted chronologically are alphabetically, except for my downloads folder, which is already set to reverse uh, to sort in reverse chronological order.
0: Yeah, I, I do some of the same things. Uh, There's a couple of applications that uh, once I have my Mac up and running, I'm able to uh, go in and get those configured. And that has a lot to do with me getting things uh, set up. Sean, what about you? What do you configure right away when you first install Windows again?
3: Well, you know what? It's funny, because I was going to say, actually, there's not a whole lot of system settings that I actually go in and change. But that is all different now, after hearing Jeff's amazing tips, which we will get to later on. But um, the main things, actually, is just like you, Damasi. I go into the File Explorer, because that's where you find your stuff. So um, the first thing I do is go open File Explorer, Windows E. And I want the view. So I hit Alt to so go to the ribbon bar menu thing. Ugh. And then arrow right until I get to view, hit space, and then arrow down. And I prefer the details view. So that way you get your file name. And then if you arrow right, you can get more information. You know, last modified file size or length or whatever the detail may be. So I really like the details view. Um And that's about it for there. Uh, The next thing I change is in options. So again, go to your ribbon bar, arrow right until you get to the more button, hit space on that, um, then find the options uh, option. Uh, Just arrow up once it takes you to the bottom of that menu and hit enter. Now, here in your folder options, there's two main tabs. And on the first one, you can choose What's your starting folder? So basically, as soon as you hit that Windows E to bring up File Explorer, where are you going to be? Where are you going to start? Uh, it used to be, I think it was recent files or commonly used files. Um, but in the latest update, that's changed to a new home view. Um, and it, Where I want to start is on this PC. I want to start where all my hard drives are. So all my external... And my C drive, my Windows drive, that's where I want to open up and start from. So that's what I do. The very first option, I believe it is, you can choose where you start in File Explorer. So that's what I do. Then if you control tab to the second uh, tab, um, here you'll find a long list of options. And feel free to have a look through and change whatever you want. But the main ones for me are to uncheck hide File extensions, because I want to know if it's a um, you know a wave file or if it's a FLAC file or an MP3 file, because I have a lot of um, files on my desktop or wherever where it may be the same file name but it's a just different file format. So I uncheck that. I want to see those file extensions, and also I uncheck hide system or protected files I believe it is something like that because I like to see every single file that's in a folder Uh, you may I'm not sure if I would recommend that for everyone because you don't want to delete the wrong file Um, but yeah personally that's how I set it up so just like Damasi, the main thing for me is the file explorer
0: setting that up we're going to go to break now, and when we come back, we're going to jump into to getting Jeff settings. And I saved him for last because if you listen to Technically Working, you know he's the only one out of all four of us that did his homework. And he might know what he's talking about a little bit. Feedback at doubletaponair.com.
2: Send us your feedback to feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. Leave us a voicemail at one 803 You're listening to Double Tap.
0: I remember when you used to sing that number, Sean. Did that help you remember it?
3: No, because I can't remember it right now, and I've just heard it. I so, know. Um, <laughs> I was <you> know, trying <laughs> to think of it in the last
0: segment, and I'm like, what's that phone number? I'm just going to give the email
3: address. <laughs> I would sing it again, but the chances are I'll get it wrong, and then... Mr. F shouts at me. So uh, I'm not risking it anymore. It's okay. absolutely fine.
0: Welcome back to Double Tap. This is Michael. We have Sean here and Stephen uh, is not here, but we have demossi and Jeff. And we're talking about what you need to do to reset up your computer once you've nuked and paved it or reset everything um, and got it up and running. And last segment, we were talking about these options and what settings are immediately changed changed from sean and Damasi, uh, but jeff goes a little bit more in depth so i'm going to pick on him a little bit and ask him jeff what are some of the settings that you reset up uh, immediately after resetting a new computer
2: well the first thing i do is if i have uh, restored a you know my machine with an oem image a lot of times that will come with office 365 and uh it will be this the Microsoft Store version. So I will remove that and I will go to the Office 365 website and I will download the executable. And I'll try to do that be- beforehand so I have the executable and you know, all ready to go. And I'll install that. That takes about 10 or 15 minutes or so to actually accomplish. And then I go in and I tweak a bunch of Office settings, things like uh, not showing um, notifications when email comes in, i uh check the box so that when uh i open up uh office documents that they open in the versions of of office that are on my desktop and not on a website by the way there's an edge setting for that too and we'll talk about that um and so i go through and i i customize pretty heavily the um features of of office one of the things i do almost immediately as I go to the accessibility section in Outlook. And this impacts all of the Office apps. And I turn on sounds so that you get uh, you know, feedback as you're doing things inside of the Office applications themselves. And you can either use the modern sounds that they offer or the classic uh, sounds that they've had for ever and ever and ever. So I, I do those things. And then Sean covered a bunch of the settings that I also apply. Um, If you're interested in the full document that we covered on Technically Working, where we talked about all this stuff for about an hour and, I don't know.
0: A hundred and three minutes.
2: Yeah, something like that. A very long time. (laughs) Um, Then I believe you guys included the the text of the document in your show notes, did you?
0: We have a link to it, so uh, I will send it to Sean and maybe he'll put them in show notes in the episode. All right, cool. Yep. Ignore Absolutely.
2: the typos in it because it was very hastily put <laughs> together, but hey, it, you know, it, it is it is there. But it's you can go about, through all four, four pages. pages. <laughs> yeah. And, but we're going to talk about the, the meat, which I think is the, the really interesting stuff that, that we got out of that presentation for the majority of you. Um, that being settings that I go through and make as it relates to Microsoft Edge. And you're saying, well you know, what if I'm using Google Chrome or, or any of those things? Well, we didn't talk about those because that's not the browser that I use. Now you can use other browsers as well, like Brave and, and some of this stuff that we're going to talk about actually circumvents some of that, meaning that they ought to re- already do this. But Brave also has things that they enable um, that makes it that makes it a little difficult to, to declutter your user experience, and we'll talk about that. By the way, don't hold down the shift key to move by heading while you're talking. turns on sticky keys. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> when they're done that. Is that a setting you can disable? Uh,
2: actually, it is. Yes. You actually can. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, so let's jump into Edge, shall we? And, and you know, uh, the philosophy that I've had here is that, that I want to have as little – Stuff popping up on my screen as possible. Uh, you know, I want to have a really clean user experience. I don't want a lot of advertising or news or suggestions from Outlook or, you know, you name it, and it probably shows up in Edge somewhere. And we'll talk about wh- how to disable a lot of these things. So the first thing that you do in Edge especially if you've nuked and paved is to make sure that you're signing into your profile. So you can sign in, you know, with your Microsoft account. That will end up syncing a lot of your extensions that you may have already had installed in Edge, as well as your favorites and you know those types of things. So that you get automatically as you sign into your profile. So some of these things will just magically appear for you. Uh, you'll you'll start to notice things like you know your extensions activating and they'll pop up windows like Bitwarden and it will want you to sign in, or the One Password extension, or the Outlook extension. Which, by the way, you should turn off, and we'll talk about that. Uh, at least I think you should turn it off. <laughs> yes, um, I agree. Because well, there's reasons why, and I'll 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 talk about it. So. Um, so then, you're going to then get your your browser, you know, configured. You should then just make sure that you can browse the web, go to, you know, your your website of choice. Just make sure things are working, and then you're going to go into Edge settings. And I did this in the order of the, uh, well, the order in which they appear in Edge settings, unless of course they change it. So this is all just in. As of right now, this is the order. That uh, time of they recording. For me. It's fine. Yes, exactly. So I only say that because you know you just never, never know what the Edge team is doing because they they innovate so quickly, which is amazing, by the way. There, um, I, I will say I think I think the Edge browser is the browser to be on from an accessibility perspective. I think the commitment is really, really strong from Microsoft and Edge, and it 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 shows. Um, I I I really, really strongly feel that. So that's just maybe a agree. little bit of bias, but I I. I really love the edge browser. Okay. Um, The first thing you're going to do is you're going to move down to privacy search and services. And and I'm not gonna go through each one of these here, but basically you can do things like turn off whether or not you wanna be tracked, um, whether or not you want to have shopping information shown to you, all of these things. And I personally turn all of this off. If I want that, then I'll go do a search and search for a coupon myself. I just find that I, I don't need my browser to be doing things that, honestly, I'll do myself. Um, yes, I think there's some value here, and sometimes it's, it's, it's helpful. So you just need to basically base your decision on what what's right for you. Um, this is not so much an issue of right or wrong. It's, it's really just a preference. And that's true of, of, of almost everything except um, the sidebar. Um, This is where I think you're going to want to spend the most of your time, and it's going to depend on what you're doing in uh, your browser, what extensions you have, um, as to how much customization that you need to make here. The first thing you're going to want to do, and again, this is just my personal preference, is to turn the sidebar off. It's not necessary. Uh, And and in fact, it increases time for the browser to load because it's loading things in the sidebar. It it just takes time for it to to do the things that it's doing. So turn that off. Um, Personalize my my top sites and uh, that checkbox you want to also uncheck. And then you want to look at each of the applications or extensions that exist that are shown here in your sidebar settings and turn them off. So this is where your Outlook extension might appear, and the reason why this one is important is because it will show you your email as you are um, reading in Outlook, and it, it it just sort of you know it kind of gets in the way, and it mm. and it sort of pops up you know randomly at times. At least I that's what I have noticed. So you know, to avoid that, I just turn all of these things off. And you can go through and you can turn off any number of different things. Turn off as absolutely as much as you can. Um, be prepared to 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 make a judgment call on each of these applications that might exist in your sidebar. But it, at least for me, uh, I turn all of them off. I just find that you know, it's better to be nimble and quick and have as, as little as possible going on in the browser uh, to make for an ideal user uh, experience.
0: Before we go into your next settings, Jeff, I think we forgot an important point that I often forget about because I just assume. How do you get to the settings in Edge?
2: Well, I I do it by simply pressing Alt-F, which is, uh, you know – used to stand for for file, but that will get you into the context menu for um, Edge set, you know, for Edge, and then you can arrow down to, you know, uh, settings and press enter on. Um, Okay, start home and new tab. Now, this is interesting in that, you know, uh, when I open up a new tab, I I want that page to be clutter-free. I don't want anything to appear here. I want simply an edit field where I can type in something, I, I want a blank page. I simply don't want anything showing here. Uh, I actually have Edge open to a new tab when it opens. I don't have it open up prior windows. I just find that to be more efficient for me. If I need something, I can quickly get to it, uh, you know, if I need to. I turn off the home button because who uses the home button? I mean, I I, I don't think I've used <laughs> the home button in a browser in forever, yeah, I understand its purpose and I understand why maybe a lot of people might use it, but I think that's more of a sighted thing than a screen reader thing. Honestly, I just, it it it's just gets in the way as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, then go to page settings. And this is where you can customize what's enabled and disabled and basically turn everything off. But you can have it show things like news stories and, you know, all of these things. It, it, it's crazy the amount of information that it will allow you to actually see on this new tab window. So go through and select the things that you want versus what you don't want, turn them off. Um, I again have everything turned off, just delightful that way. And uh, that really is the decluttering aspect of configuring your, your Edge browser. Now we, we briefly talked about uh, op- making sure that Office documents open up in the desktop versions of Office, right? So you um, want to do that in at least one of the applications. You don't have to do it in all of them. It, it remembers it across each of the applications. But one of the other things that you want to do here is in the download section of the, your Edge settings, um, there is a Open Office Documents on the web checkbox, and I uncheck it because if you press Enter on a link that is an Office document, then it will attempt to to load it as part of Office Online as opposed to just downloading the document so in nine times out of ten I basically want to download the file and then I will open it up in Microsoft Word uh, or whatever you know Excel PowerPoint whatever I'm downloading um, on my local machine because I just find that to be a a far better accessible experience okay um there's a bunch of system and and performance related settings here um I keep startup boost enabled. I turn on developer tools. These are sort of geeky things. You can Ooh. either do them or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and then under accessibility settings, uh, you, you might want to turn on Get Image Descriptions automatically. So this allows you to allow the browser to go grab alternative text for an image that may not have alternative text. And it does a pretty decent job of that. So you know, yes, I will enable things that I think bring value. But for the most part, I try to let myself uh, control the browsing experience. So those are the things that I do from an edge perspective. I wish there was an easier way of, of backing up all of those and simply just restoring all of these settings quickly. I, I don't know how much of these are remembered as part of your Microsoft account. I don't think that all of them are based on the, the work that I've done um, in restoring machines over the past few months. But uh, you know these are these are just some of the tips that I try to do when uh, I'm configuring configuring my browser. so
0: and a lot of those, those are settings nice. are also available for Edge on the Mac as well. So if you're there a are. Mac user, you can go in and make those modifications. And I like what Jeff emphasized towards the beginning. Um, you know that's the settings he changes on Edge, but you should go in and and actually look at the settings. Um, in the browser of choice that you're using too. Um, maybe not all these features are available in that browser, but it does give you plenty of things to change. Since we recorded Technically Working 28 and did this with Jeff, I found myself actually going through the Safari settings to uncheck some of the boxes. I'm like, why do I put up with that frustration? And it, it happens a lot. I'm sure you've been there, Sean, where you, you just deal with things because you got to get work done. And then you talk to people like Jeff and you're like, oh, I can turn that off. Yeah,
3: and it's just about taking those few minutes to actually do it, right? Because, like you say, you just, uh, I'll just deal with that annoyance and tab past it or whatever for now. But it's it's just knowing where to go. That decluttering, Jeff, is fantastic because after uh, last time we spoke, I went through and did that because I just didn't, again, it was just, uh, okay, my voiceover, or sorry, my screen reader just starts talking away as soon as I open edge telling me the latest news and weather and whatever. yeah else. exactly <laughs> exactly i'm just going straight you know control l going to the uh, address bar and typing away but yeah just yeah. taking that minute to declutter it makes a difference and it makes it as you said a more nimble experience
2: you know it's interesting we we talk a lot on this show about accessibility and we do it throughout the community and i think as i keep talking with people it, it really is more about elevating our game around usability, efficiency. And ultimately, productivity, because that's where we all win. And so these are just a few steps in that process. But the mark is is you know following that path of usability, then meeting you know, our goals with the efficiency, and finally, excelling with productivity. It's good stuff. It is.
0: It is. And when you have these powerful computers and these powerful tools that you can use, if you're not being productive on it, then accessibility only matters so much because you want, you want to actually get the stuff done that you're trying to jump in there and do. Jeff, you made a, a life-changing and I don't use that lightly, a life-changing revelation when last we talked about edge and browser windows and getting those browser windows out of the alt tab order. Can you tell people about that?
2: Yes, Michael, I'm surprised I didn't mention this because honestly, it's one of the very first things I do because it annoys me. Um, you know, now what happens with Edge is if you open up a new tab, it becomes part of the alt tab order. Whereas in the past, you could open up five tabs and then you could control tab between the tabs and you had one Edge window, right? Because you're not really, you know, having five different copies of Edge running. It's one copy of Edge, right? Mm-hmm. So why have all of this clutter of Alt-Tab if I have six you know, windows open to get to Outlook? Now I, I have to get really creative and do some crazy gymnastics to get back to Outlook if I'm Alt-Tabbing all around. So one of the things you're going to want to change here is to go into Windows Settings with Windows I and then Invoke System, then go to Multitasking, and then expand the Settings icon that you'll tab to first. And there is an option here to show tabs when either pressing alt tab or snapping windows and you want the option to to be set to do not show tabs and this will revert you back to the way that the world used to be meaning that you'll have one edge window to rule them all with as many tabs as you want and you'll have a much more delightful experience now some of you may like it the way that it is i i personally do not so this I is one that i change life. yeah it was yeah lovely stuff beautiful I mean, i'm
1: even no, considering a windows computer to go in the house now that you told me about that like, <laughs> that was a major change for me man now,
2: now let's not go crazy here <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I think one of the important takeaways from all of this for us is, you know, one, if you're going to wipe your machine, do some preparation first to make sure that what you expect or need to have is there when you come back, come up with a strategy for quickly getting yourself back to a reasonable level of productivity. Of course, everything is not going to be there right away. And once you're back on your machine or even now, even if you're not considering a, a nuke and pave, a wipe clean of your machine. Uh, Going through the settings of some of the applications that you use, especially browsers, because browsers have kind of to me in a lot of ways become their own mini operating systems inside of the host OS at this point. Uh, But go through the settings of apps that you rely upon, especially to figure out if there are things that you can clean up or turn on or turn off to make your experience more efficient and more productive. Uh, I'm very much like Jeff. I like things as stripped down as they possibly can be. Uh, but you may want some of these bells and whistles on. Just know that you usually have options to turn them on and off.
0: And on the on the Mac, I have to install a couple of, of essential applications after making my settings changes. So I want to ask the three of you, uh, and we're going to pick on Sean first uh, in a moment after I give mine. What are two or three of the applications not related to a screen reader because most users have to use a screen reader in order Dope. to use their computer? <laughs> what are two or three applications that you use, and why are those the tools that you install right away. So for me, my first one is LaunchBar. Sorry, Damasi, I took that one from you. Uh, And that's because I can't find anything in my computer uh, at all. Um, And so I install LaunchBar first. And then the second one is Hazel. So Hazel on the Mac will let my system automatically organize my files based on rules that I set up. And often I'll forget to either set up the rules or uh, more importantly, when I'm installing Installing applications and I want to delete those applications, I use the trash sweep feature in Hazel. So if you open the Hazel app and you press command comma, and then you go over to trash in the toolbar, you can check the box that says, uh, Uh, app sweep is what it's called. And when you delete the application, it'll pop up a dialogue that says, would you like to delete the related files for this application? Because both on Mac and windows, when you take stuff away from the operating system, that stuff likes to leave crud around. And so I like to enable that even before I go set up the Hazel rules. And then Demasi and I discovered that you can set up each of your Hazel folders to back up the rules that you set up. So you can easily uh, jump in there and get started with those so for me it's launch bar and hazel what about you sean
3: hmm well you've took away my nvda um so we can take that as a given but you know what i actually don't put many system utilities on or any at all actually thinking about it um like i used to um so the the main one for me the very first thing i put on is probably audacity that is you know what i use Every single day, it's how I get things done. So, Audacity, the audio editing program, because hey, that's just what I do. So, I definitely need that on. So, that's the first thing. Secondly, of course, I have Dropbox and set up my OneCloud, everything like that for my cloud. That's where I keep all of my backups, all of my um, work files. So, Dropbox is essential. And to be fair, I usually do that first because having that sync. You know, when it, it sets up and connects to your account and starts to link all those files, that can take ages. Usually that's an overnight thing for me. Even when I'm not pulling the files down from the cloud and actually copying them to my computer, it's just basically a shortcut to the cloud file itself. It can still take a really long time. So, yeah, definitely Dropbox. Um, oh, of course. And it's essential that I have WhatsApp installed. It's become the must-have communication tool for me, because it doesn't matter what other people are on. If they're on Mac, if they're on Windows, Android, iPhone, doesn't matter. If they're on WhatsApp, we can have immediate communication. WhatsApp is amazing. Um, So yes, download WhatsApp from the Windows Store. And uh, the last one, surprise entry for me, and it's after uh, a really cool demo that Lord Dr. Robin Christofferson did on this show a few episodes back, and that is the accessible YouTube downloader. Now, I say it's a surprise because I don't have a problem with the YouTube website. I think it's absolutely fine. Yes, it's really cluttered, but I just you know jump through headings and look through the videos that are there. Um, I hit E to jump to the edit field to do a search for the video I'm looking for, and it all works fine. So I thought, why would I want to use the accessible YouTube downloader? Yes, it's a very nice interface for screen readers, but yeah, I'm all right. But I actually tried it, and the download feature is something that I think is a must-have. It's so good. Just being able to, you know what, there's a video there I really want to watch, but maybe it's a long one. You know, I haven't got time now. I can download the MP3 version of it. And you know, I could stream it later on, listen to it on a, wherever on my phone or my smart speaker later on. So, yeah, that's funnily enough, it's a surprise entry, and it surprised me. But accessible YouTube downloader.
0: Yeah, that was a great demonstration that Lord Robin did, and it yep. it, it made me think, huh, maybe I should play with this, uh, Demasi, What are your first few applications?
1: So I'm going to. Uh, skip any obvious things like password managers, etc. Right? So, one of the first apps I have to have running, otherwise, my life does not work, is Drafts, uh, because it's where I capture a lot of text from different places as well as store a lot of text when I'm like I take notes on uh business meetings inside of Drafts, so I need that app installed for sure. Uh, another one that is a very early install for me is going to be Fantastical because that is what I use to manage the four or five different calendars that I have to deal with. And uh, if I don't know where I'm supposed to be, I promise you I will not be there.
0: <laughs> if it's not <laughs> on the calendar, it's not happening. It ain't happening,
1: I'm telling you. <laughs> um, and if there's one more app that I very quickly have to install for myself is SoundSource uh, from Rogue Amoeba. And that is because that is a, to me, a much better interface for dealing with sound levels, volumes, routing audio for different applications on my Mac than anything Apple offers inside of system preferences.
0: Yeah, and see, uh, for me, it's loopback, audio hijack, sound source—all of that suite of things. But I just—I know they don't come with the operating system, but they're installed like what, the first kind of thing. Move? Like they're <laughs> part of the operating system in my mind. Uh, Jeff, what about you? And you mentioned an app that I got some questions for you about too.
2: Oh, really? Okay. Well, my top three are Visual Studio Code because uh, I find that to be. little more efficient than even notepad these days because notepad is driving me crazy i have a tip on notepad though too if you have time but maybe we'll save that i'll send that in you can play it later sean (laughs) um yeah yeah uh and then everything which is a a great tool to allow you to search for files and you know uh, find things really really fast it's it's very very efficient and then to be able to keep me on task and you know uh, I have a lot going on in my world, so I use Microsoft To-Do. So those are the top three things that I probably install after doing the obvious things, you know, password managers and cloud storage and those types of things.
0: Yeah, it was everything that I was going to ask you about. Can you tell us about that in 90 seconds?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I think I kind of summed it up. It's, it, it basically allows you to basically do a search and very, very quickly, and I mean very quickly, find files on, on your disk. Uh, w- Windows used to be able to do this really efficiently, and I have found that it's, it's not as quick as it used to be. So everything sort of replaced that for me, and I love that application.
0: And do you invoke it with a keystroke?
2: Uh, you can. Okay. Um, it's also in the system tray as well.
0: Huh. I'm going to have to play with this. Well, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure having you all on here. Sean, do you have any closing words before we wrap up?
3: Of course I have. I want to say thank you so much, Michael, Damasi and Jeff. Absolutely amazing work. Now, when I was on with you on Technically Working, everyone should check that out, by the way, the Technically Working Podcast. Um, Yes, it was a long discussion, but I thought there was just so many bits of great advice and tips on there that I really wanted you guys to come on and share some of that with our Double Tap listeners, because not only is it just really useful information, but it can really help getting things done, as we've talked about productivity, or just making your device a nicer place to be. So I do realize it was a little bit of a departure for us here at Double Tap. I mean, we are a tech show, honestly, but wow, that got techie. (laughs) Uh, But again, thank you so much.
0: So, I'm sure we all want to hear from you. What are some of the settings you change on your computer? Is there anything that you heard today that helped you with uh, being more productive and efficient on your computer? Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com or 877-803-4567. Yes, I looked the number up to make sure that I had it correct. (laughs) That's cheating. (laughs) (laughs) But I did it. Thanks for having me here, Sean, and I appreciate it. You guys have a beautiful day.